My expectation has been if we were able to get control of this property and be able to redevelop it as we have, then that gives us the opportunity to be able to let Huntington be the next it community in the Ohio River Valley. I had a call from someone recently that was looking for a condo in downtown Huntington from Charleston. We never get calls from Charleston. Charleston is always the city. We get people now from Charleston coming down and we have people from the region come in. The biggest question we hear in the market, they walk in and say, I feel like I'm in another city. Huntington, West Virginia, well known as the home of Marshall University, but the city has its own storied legacy. It's not always and only about the thundering herd. My great-grandfather came here in 1917 to start James J. Wilder and Sons. It was a structural steel fabricating plant, and it was directly across from Smith Hall. Strong, resilient, passionate, resourceful, ambitious. All words that describe those leading the charge for the city's revitalization. One thing that if you look back at the history of Huntington is that when Huntington has grown in its most dynamic fashion is when the people in Huntington decided we're going to do this ourselves. I'm Grant Goodrich and this is the revitalization of Huntington. This is Huntington, West Virginia, steeped in a long-standing and stagnant industrial history. Situated along the Ohio River in the far western reaches of West Virginia, Huntington turns 150 years old in 2021. Originally a flat stretch of land known as Holderby's Landing, it was purchased by railroad tycoon Collis P. Huntington to act as the western terminus for the Chesapeake and Ohio Railroad. With its prominence as an inland port, Huntington became integral in the process of extending the railroad westward. And as it was with much of the state of West Virginia, the coal business was a staple for many years. From the time of its founding to the Great Depression, Huntington saw immense growth, reaching a population of over 75,000 by 1930. After its first 30 years, the city's population had grown to about 12,000. But throughout the first decade of the 20th century, the city's population almost tripled. By 1910, the city was inhabited by over 31,000 people. At that point, the city was booming, and as it entered the 1920s, it was roaring. The Keith Albee, the Frederick, the West Virginia building, the list goes on. Many of Huntington's most prominent and skyscraping buildings were built in the first 30 years of the 1900s, a lot of those in the 20s alone. The 20s were a time of economic prosperity for the United States, and that was no more evident than what was happening in Huntington. Like many other cities across the country, industrialism was the reason for their economic success and population growth. Not only was Huntington an exemplar for the rapid economic rise of the U.S. itself, but the city was a reflection of why the country overall was becoming the wealth capital of the world. But the 1920s would not end the way they started. It is known as Black Tuesday, but it is more directly called the Wall Street Crash of 1929. The days of living in financial excess were over. It could be said that the U.S. just 
didn't know how to handle the abundance of monetary success, but regardless of why it happened, or how it happened, it happened, and it hurt. Huntington's meteoric rise halted along with the United States. Making matters worse for Huntington, the Great Flood of 1937 wrecked the city. Huntington still saw a 4.3% population growth throughout the 20s, but that was by far the lowest decade growth rate the city had experienced. The Depression would not last forever, though. The manufacturing hustle that World War II brought America pulled the U.S. out of the lowest of lows. And because Europe was ravaged by the war, the U.S. found itself in an even better position to become the wealth capital of the world, and ultimately, the leader of the free world. This instant uptick in American life brought prosperity back to Huntington. However, the epic growth seen in the early 1900s may have been stilted for good. The 40s did bring Huntington to its highest population number on record, near 90,000, but with a swelling current of decline underneath the surface, the success after World War II for Huntington was only a facade of lavishness. Throughout the 50s and early 60s, the decline was slow and unidentifiable, but as the 60s progressed and the 70s approached, the decline became more rapid. But it wasn't Huntington's fault. The city hadn't done anything wrong. Were there policies and decisions that harmed the city's potential? Probably so. But for what was coming, no one could have had the foresight, or the ability for that matter, to stop it. Industrial and manufacturing jobs and opportunities were disappearing. The industrial and manufacturing culture of the area was ingrained, but what can a city's culture do when compared to the culture of a nation? Just as America had evolved in the early 1900s to the benefit of Huntington, the mid to late 1900s evolved to its deficit. The coal business, the train business, downtown business, downtown shopping, all things that began to dissipate as the 20th century raged on. There were locations outside of Huntington, such as down the road in Barbersville, West Virginia, or across the Ohio River in Proctorville, Ohio, that have seen some pockets of growth over time. Backed up by census data can reasonably be assumed that some people have just moved out of the city but still live in the surrounding area. Or rather, people who moved to this area for work decided to live in Huntington's surrounding area and not within the city limits. Still, the population numbers of the metropolitan area over the mid to late 1900s through present day have not had a drastic influx. In the 1960s and 1970s, the federal government attempted urban renewal projects aimed at helping cities who were struggling like Huntington. As a part of one of those projects in 1971, the Huntington Municipal Development Authority demolished many buildings along the north side of 3rd Avenue. Current executive director of the Huntington Municipal Development Authority, Kathy Burns, has been involved with the city's development for over 30 years. She explains why some of the results of that project were positive. In the 60s, um, the federal government came out with a federal initiative called Urban Enroll Plan, in which they provided funding for cities to go in and basically raise or tear down uh, a lot of older properties and build new. So where you have uh, the co-work space, which used to be the Chase Bank space, that building was built as a result of the urban rural days. And where you have, there on 13th Street and 3rd Avenue, the broker firm right there, that is a product of an urban renewal constructed property. So not all all urban renewal development was bad. It's true. There were many big and important projects to come from the urban renewal plan. Notable places include Harris Riverfront Park, the Civic Center, the Holiday Inn that is a Delta today, and the parking garage on 3rd Avenue and 8th Street. Even though there were some successful projects to arise from the urban renewal, 3rd Avenue overall suffered. For many years, the plot of land where Pullman Square sits today was nothing but a large parking lot known as the Superblock. 
According to Burns, the city was just fortunate that the historic buildings on the north side of 3rd Avenue were not raised. Luckily, they didn't tear down what was across the street because, honestly, that's one of the things that I think makes downtown Huntington really special and beautiful is the architecture and the fact that those buildings were preserved. Many of those buildings had sheaths or overlays put on them, and when we established the historic district downtown, that's when all of those old sheaths and overlays were removed and the bricks were exposed and the beautiful windows and all of that. But certainly on the north side of the street of 3rd Avenue, that was about a 10-acre track of land that the Civic Arena was developed, but then there sat eight acres, and it sat there for 30 years, and so it became kind of a white elephant. Considering how defining the first 30 years of the 1900s were for Huntington, the 30 or so years after 1970 were almost equally defining, and not in a good way. The boom and bustle of the early days of Huntington had been replaced by a monotonous and uninspiring tone. Burns says that the city just did not know how to work together anymore. And it really just, at that time, it reflected a lot of infighting and people not being able to agree on what that development was going to look like. But to their credit, to the Urban Renewal members, and it was a board of directors, to their credit, and while maybe no one wants to sit on property for 30 years, I think the development that did occur there is the right development. Pullman Square, the right development, finally. According to the Herald-Dispatch, in June of 2000, the Federal Transit Authority released about $27 million for the construction of an intermodal facility, a proposed parking garage, and a bus transfer station that city officials said was key to attracting retail development to the superblock. After a few years of planning, maneuvering behind the scenes, and winning a legal battle, the plan for Pullman Square was finally put into motion in October of 2003 led by Tim Rawlings and his company, Metropolitan Partners. On November 19, 2004, Marquee Cinema's Pullman Square 16 Theater opened as the first business. Private investor and Huntington resident Phil Nelson, who is also the co-founder of Capital Venture Corp, says that there were some key helping hands that lent to Pullman Square's ultimate establishment. Congressman Ray Hall and the TTA had a big big hand in getting that developed, and they still own the property. They built the garages and the shells for some of that place, which gave them that start. Once the parking was there and some of the shells were there, then the other businesses building around it was a little less risky. Soon after the opening of the movie theater, the risk of putting one's business downtown was no longer. It became advantageous. Tenants began filling up spaces at Pullman, such as Empire Books, Starbucks, and Coldstone Creamery. Downtown Huntington was finally developing a central hub of commerce once again. We were trending down, but Pullman came in, and it was a beautiful development, very tastefully done. And that was a real shot in the arm to a, a sinking downtown, per se. So it gave us new shops. It gave us new architecturally pleasing structures. It gave us plenty of parking, theaters. We learned how to shop and entertain ourselves together, combining those two things. We had concerts outside. Always before, we just had this 9 to 5 downtown presence. This gave us life after 5 o'clock, which is the future. So I think it was great. We had further consolidation. 3rd Avenue has done very well. It is pretty and as nice and as opportunistic as any place in state. Not only did 3rd Avenue have life again, but with the new fancy development on the north side of the street, combined with the old historical buildings on the south side of the street, 3rd Avenue provided a snapshot of both Huntington's legacy and its future.
I think Pullman Square just so well complements what's across the street. The architecture complements. It's very pedestrian friendly. It's a great people watching spot. Oftentimes these types of developments can become kind of an island unto themselves and they basically just pull tenants away from existing structures into the new development and then now you've got another problem that you've created. That did not occur with the development of Pullman Square. But what was next? How was Pullman Square going to allow downtown Huntington to expand? Who would the players be in getting the job done? Well, that's when people like Phil Nelson and his Capital Venture Corp partner Jim Weiler stepped up. But before Nelson and Weiler got involved downtown, there was Dr. Joseph Tuma, who got the ball rolling on the south side of 3rd Avenue, where many buildings still sat vacant. Pullman Square was under construction. I invited Dr. Tuma to meet me across the street and we were standing on the upper level of Pullman Square and we looked across 3rd Avenue and there was a building directly across the street from Pullman and it just sat there for years with a big blue tarp over it. And I took Dr. Tuma over there and he owned the properties on either side and I said, look at that, what do you see? He goes, that blue tarp. And I said, it's ugly, it's terrible. You have to buy that building. To his credit, bought that building and renovated it and he spent a lot of money on it. He teases me to this day that that lunch cost him a lot of money. Dr. Tuma kick-started the revitalization of the south side of 3rd Avenue, an integral step in expanding downtown Huntington off the success of Pullman Square. Although the recession in the United States slightly slowed progress from 2007 to 2009, businesses continued to flock downtown, including upstart businesses such as The Pottery Place or Paula Vega's Cakes. Heritage Station, which is the former Baltimore and Ohio passenger station, combines the history of Huntington with the present better than any one place in downtown Huntington. Located one block from Pullman Square, it has become a business incubator of which many small businesses have grown into wider success. The next step for downtown Huntington, which was already in motion by Dr. Tuma, was renovating the vacant buildings on 3rd Avenue. For that to happen, the city had to establish incentives for developers and investors. One of the first things that had to happen is those buildings needed to be renovated, both exterior and interior. And so we established an historic district within the downtown, and so that whereby the property owners could then uh, secure a tax credit, a very healthy tax credit that made it worthwhile to renovate those properties. With the historic tax credits established, it was up to private developers to get involved. And thus, Phil Nelson and Jim Weiler entered the narrative for downtown Huntington. Growing up as family friends through things such as Little League and St. Joe Church, Nelson and Weiler are long-standing Huntingtonians. Years later, when their common interests in real estate merged in 1991, they created the company Capital Venture Corp., which Nelson says was ultimately their vehicle to purchase more property. They began with strictly residential property, but eventually, their aspirations led them to commercial buildings downtown. Once we got the residential side clicking pretty good, we came across a building, the old Dickinson Furniture Building, that was a good buy. We didn't really have any experience to develop a property like that with the essence that we thought we were maybe going to do some residential on the upper floors and commercial on the main floor. was a project that just became available. There was plenty of parking. It had all the attributes of a nice development. We just had to find a tenant. And our success has been really driven by the success of great tenants like Chicken Fencer Maker and Steptoe and Johnson and Hayflick, Campbell Woods, Kinder Communications. All those great people that had confidence in us allowed us to redevelop properties for them. 
When their first tenant, law firm Jenkins Fenstermaker, signed the dotted line, Weiler says that the upper floors of the old Dickinson Furniture Building were turned into office space, rather than the originally planned residential. But nonetheless, once the building was completed and renamed Capitol Center, they had cemented their mark on downtown Huntington. But their biggest mark was still to come. For years, the southeast corner of 3rd Avenue and 8th Street sat vacant. But before it fell into lifelessness, it was a landmark corner. Constructed in 1884, the building housed a drugstore on the first floor and the Davis Opera House on the second floor, according to Huntington historian James Casto in his Herald-Dispatch series, Lost Huntington. But like most of the buildings downtown, it fell into disuse until it was purchased by Capital Venture Corp. That whole block was owned by one family. And they allowed us to do options on the properties, close on whichever ones we want within a certain time frame. Once the properties were purchased, Weiler says that he and Nelson already knew what they wanted for that property. They wanted to bring the market trend seen in other cities to Huntington. One thing that we think is of great value to the investor, that is travel a lot. Find out what trends are very popular in large markets and small markets. So whenever we would travel, we'd go to a, a retail or a residential place that seemed like if it was... There were a lot of people out there all of a sudden, all the cars were parked there. This has got to be something that's that's very popular. So we take pictures, we'd study a lot, we'd talk a lot about different things. And this market concept at 809, the market 809, 3rd Avenue, Huntington, it's something we put together based on seeing those places in larger markets. We did a smaller version of that here. And fortunately, I have to thank the people of Huntington and the region. They've really been responding well. Responding well indeed. With the market and the Mountain Health Arena catacorner from each other, that intersection of 3rd Avenue is perhaps the liveliest corner in the city. Not only are newly renovated buildings downtown drawing people from the area, but also, Weiler says that hotel-staying visitors find themselves curious and wondering over to the market to check it out. You'll see somebody you've never seen before that's looking around, you know, and you're going, hey, can I help you? You know, this and that, we don't work there, but we're always promoting it, and they constantly or we're staying at the hotel we just want to come over and see what's going on or you get people from a lot bigger cities that don't have these type of amenities this close to a residential area which is the south side of Huntington and we still have the benefit of Marshall University and so I think there's a lot of things that are attracting people and it's really fun to watch that happen. Taking a back seat to 3rd Avenue in recent history is 4th Avenue, once the main corridor in downtown. But Weiler says that with 3rd Avenue mostly developed, it's time for that to change. Doing their part, Nelson and Weiler are in the midst of renovating 801 4th Avenue, which is on the northeast corner of 4th Avenue and 8th Street. Once completed, three of the four corners of that 4th Avenue intersection will have been redeveloped by Capital Venture Corp. Nelson says that work was ready to go at the beginning of the year, but the COVID-19 pandemic set them back. However, he says they are back on track with a hopeful completion date of summer to fall 2021. Like it was with Capital Center, the upper floors could end up being residential or it can end up as commercial space. But whatever goes there, the building's greatest asset will remain the same. 
The greatest thing about that building that always caught our eye, I think, are the windows. It's a great location. You're right behind City Hall. You're right across the courthouse. You're a block from the Civic Center. You're right in the middle of town. But the windows are probably 10 or 12 feet wide and 12 feet tall. They're huge and it almost looks like a wall of glass on the inside. So you look at that gold dome of the courthouse, the leaves changing in the fall, Civic Center, see the beautiful shot of downtown. I think that's its greatest asset. We don't want to overlook the fact that the Civic Center is down there, and that's an economic engine. They've been very successfully run for the last several years, bring a lot of people downtown. There's always something on a weekend, as evidenced by the fact they're spending several million dollars on complete renovation of the inside, they've painted the outside, and a beautiful $1.3 million restoration of the front entrance with separate seating areas and movies. They've got speakers out there. It's going to be a great experience just to be there and be downtown. Fourth Avenue a focus for Nelson and Weiler, but also a focus for the city of Huntington when it comes to the downtown area, Kathy Burns says. We feel like 3rd Avenue has done really well, and now the focus is to identify those vacant buildings on 4th. And some of those key buildings have already been identified, Burns says. The Morris Building, that is a vacant building, and it's a big building. It goes up 9th Street, and it also extends down 4th Avenue, and so it's a nice, well-built, well-constructed building. But that building we would love to see be redeveloped. Also, the Coal Exchange Building, which is an 11-story structure right there on the corner of 11th Street and 4th Avenue. You cannot reproduce those buildings in this day and age. It's well worth renovating them because if we were to try to go build an 11-story building with cornices and ceiling heights and all the things that those buildings currently have, it would just be so expensive. So we would love to see that building be repurposed. If you get that Morris Building redeveloped, you get the Coal Exchange, then you start seeing the infill within the other properties. Already on 4th Avenue, developers and investors have put in some work over the years. Alex Vincey has developed living spaces in the West Virginia building. Eliza Caldwell redesigned the Caldwell building, which her grandfather erected in 1887. Those names, among others, are some of the names Mayor Steve Williams mentioned as community members who have invested in their community. The blessing for Huntington has been, downtown Huntington has been, is that Huntingtonians have bought the properties and started to redevelop them. One thing that if you look back at the history of Huntington is that when Huntington has grown in its most dynamic fashion is when the people in Huntington decided we're going to do this ourselves. A major movement on 4th Avenue has been the development of condo and apartment space. Whether it is the St. James Building, the Old Elks Lodge, or the Angel Building, there has been a noticeable increase in modern downtown living space in recent years. Weiler says that one thing that often gets overlooked in the uptick of downtown and downtown living is the Marshall Visual Arts Center that went on 3rd Avenue. You've got students that come out of there artsy and creative and they go out into the stores, they go to the coffee shops. It just gives you a different vibe. I think the timing of that has been really good. Marshall University's impact downtown and in the city as a whole is only growing. With Brad D. Smith's $25 million donation in November of 2018, Marshall is on track to build a new business school building on 4th Avenue right across from campus, fostering 4th Avenue's complete development from the university to the courthouse. But perhaps the most talked about Marshall University project is the baseball stadium. While the baseball stadium has its own impact for Marshall and its athletic department, it has an even larger meaning to Huntington as a whole, Mayor Williams says. The baseball stadium is a great conversation point, but more than anything else, it gives us the opportunity to be able to demonstrate of what we can do 
then by showing what we can do, it will also be a foretelling of what we will be able to do. In his tenure as mayor, Williams has focused a lot of his effort looking toward the future of what Huntington can become, and that effort and focus has paid off. Leading the charge with an ambitious community plan, Williams in the city won the America's Best Community Competition in 2017. In the plan, three struggling areas were identified as locations integral to capitalizing on the city's full potential. Those areas, Highlawn, Fairfield, and the West End. The baseball stadium is a partnership between the city and Marshall that will help instigate the revitalization of the Highlawn District. Nowhere in Huntington is its industrial history more apparent than the focus areas in Highlawn. Before Huntington was even officially made a city, the modern-day ACF Industries Complex on the north side of 3rd Avenue was established by Collis P. Huntington as a place to build rail cars. Locations such as that are what made Huntington what it was in its heyday. But unfortunately today, those vacant and dilapidated pieces of history are pockets of gloom and ugliness. But with so much acreage and legacy, the land has extraordinary potential, making it one of the most important areas to the future growth and development of Huntington. Mayor Williams explains why it is so strategically located. I've said all along that the Highline property is the centerpiece of what Huntington can become. The Highline property and where it is positioned is so strategic, sandwiched between Marshall University, the High Lawn neighborhood, right down the street from St. Mary's Hospital, several blocks away from Cattle Huntington Hospital, that property is strategically positioned to allow the university to be able to grow, to let the city grow, and be able to help save the High Lawn neighborhood. The High Lawn neighborhood was established as a bedroom community to the factories that are in the area. Those factories have long since closed, but as we repurpose the properties, we can take full advantage of major highways coming right through the property, the river coming right by the property, a railroad line, everything that you would ever want in a greenfield site, it's all right there. My expectation has been if we were able to get control of this property and be able to redevelop it as we have, then that gives us the opportunity to be able to let Huntington be the next it community in the Ohio River Valley. The 42-acre plot of land where the ACF Industries Complex currently stands was purchased by the Huntington Municipal Development Authority in January of 2020. Kathy Burns says that in total, there's about 65 acres in the Brownfield Innovation Zone, including the eight-acre piece of property for the baseball stadium. In a master plan developed by Strong, Garrigan & Associates, the 42-acre ACF property is envisioned to have commercial and retail buildings on the street face, with office and light industrial buildings behind it. In order to keep some of its history alive, an important part of the plan is the adaptive reuse of the existing ACF structure. The area would ideally also include multifamily residential space as well as open green space. Currently, the process is in the environmental testing phase, of which Burns said she hopes the results will be in by the year's end. The results will dictate what types of development go where, but so far, the results have been positive. Looking toward the potential future with the finished development of the Brownfield Innovation Zone combined with the dynamism of downtown and Marshall in the middle, Mayor Williams says that a barbell-type configuration of Huntington would be created. 
with Marshall University being in the middle. You have a downtown that is the most dynamic downtown within at least a 100-mile radius. You have on the other side of the university, the redevelopment of the Highline property. That just strengthens the city and its downtown. The final piece to formalizing and modernizing downtown Huntington is the Fairfield Innovation Corridor, most notably including Howgreer Boulevard, which Mayor Williams calls the gateway into the city. Burns says there are three main goals for Howgreer, increase safety for pedestrians, create a sense of community, and improve traffic flow. But big picture, Mayor Williams said the plan for Howgreer is much bigger than itself. This is not something just for how Greer Boulevard, this is uh, not just a project, this is a mindset that we have to have for all of the city. The planning process on public projects is so slow, but all of a sudden when the planning stops, it's amazing just how fast it all develops. In the next five to seven years, people will not recognize what How Greer Boulevard looks like. The 2020 versus 2025, it will be unrecognizable in a good way. Unrecognizable is a word that the city's founding members could have potentially used to describe the city in the late 1900s, but in their case, not in a good way. But with the current trends in progress, the city of Huntington has the chance to innovate itself and be in a position of prominence for the rest of the 21st century, something that hopefully the founding members would look at and be proud of. Downtown will never be what it was in the 1950s because the world is different than it, than it was then. But still, what we have in the downtown area is unbelievably special, and we have to protect that. There's this belief that, oh, people in Huntington won't sport anything or this or that. And quite frankly, if you give them a fair value, create something that is popular, what they're wanting, they'll support it tremendously. People in Huntington are great and they love to support something local. So invest in Huntington. You'll be surprised at how people will support you and how great the city is. It's, it's a misnomer there thinking that, oh, you can't make money there or it's not a good place to do business. Well, give someone a fair value and give them something that is highly sought after and you can win.